Let's go to God in prayer before we uh, get into our text this evening. Our Father and our God, we um, approach your throne of grace this morning, and we are humbled that you have called us your people, humbled by how far you have come to redeem us, to offer us salvation from the land of the dead. Uh, we thank you, God, for your love and your care and your provision and for the many and numerous ways you come to us on a daily basis, reminding us that you are there, that we may call you Father, and that we may rest easy in you. We pray, Father, for the next moments that as we open your word that we would be still and we would listen to the way that your spirit would move within us and the way that you would convict us, encourage us, and inspire us. In the same way, Father, that as we leave this place, that we will have the wisdom to seek out um, your voice, the discernment to recognize it amongst the many that call for us. We would have the boldness and the courage to, to follow where you lead. May we be your people, a light in this world, proclaiming your redemption to a world that is in so desperate need of it. And we thank you for Jesus, his sacrifice, and the bond of unity we have in his blood. We ask these things in his holy name. Amen. You know, there's uh, very few things in this world that are better and more encouraging than hearing the voices of young kids in the assembly of God's people. Um, the singing, the amens, <laughs> just the, the bustle of young life. Um, Maybe that, maybe that makes me old to recognize something like that. I don't know. But if that's the case, I, I guess I'll take it. Um, I, I, let's just call it mature. Let's not call it old, okay? You know, I'm, I'm maturing as I'm sitting up here with a broken foot. Um, someone reminded me that that might mean I'm getting older. My bones are a little more brittle. First bone I've ever broken in my body, by the way. Um, I'm not really giving myself any more ways out of this, am I? Maybe I'm just getting older. Um, it's good to be here. It's good to hear those little voices, um, the commotion that reminds us um, that we have a future to prepare for and plan for. Um, may that inspire us to be better today for their sake and for the sake of God's kingdom to come. We've been dealing here in this uh, series here on uh, uh, doubt and, and unbelief. Help my unbelief. We've been through a couple of different passages. We started with John the Baptist, maybe one of my favorite, if you will, favorite passages about doubt. But as John the Baptist is um, really facing his execution, he has this last moment, last ditch effort to reach out to Jesus and basically say, Please tell me I haven't done all of this for nothing. Please tell me that I haven't led all of these people astray and leading them to you. Tell me, are you the one or should we look for someone else? Um, today we come to, to Mark chapter 9, which is where we'll be in just a moment, uh, with that statement of, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Uh, what, a, what a powerful you know, acknowledgement of that dissonance that exists in our minds and in our hearts at times, um, while at the same time completely laying himself bare before God, saying, I can't do this. 
and I need you to help me through it. Um, have you ever been like desperate for something? Um, maybe a drink or, or food, uh, just so parched you thought you were going to, to die. Uh, maybe it's pain, you know, sometimes in a moment of, of loss and agony, we find ourselves just really in a state of desperation where we don't even know which way is up, which way is down, which way to move. We don't know where to reach for help. We don't know where to look for help. We don't even know if help can possibly exist. But in that moment, all we feel is a sense of despair. Um, this is light and a little foolish of me, but when we were in Kansas City, I was uh, playing on a, a church softball team, and it was through the summer. And, you know, as, as cool as Kansas is, the summers can get pretty warm up there. And it was an unseasonably warm evening. Um, who needs water? It's softball. But I hadn't really drank much water all day, and then we went straight from the office out to the ballpark, and we uh, played a couple of games. We had sweated a bunch, and we got finished with a second game, and I was... Like, I was not dying, but if you had asked me in the moment, I was going to thirst to death, right? I was, I felt dehydrated, and, and it's like, I just got to get something to drink. I'm, I'm about to, Bleh. and so there's a McDonald's right across the street from the ballpark. My house was only a minute and a half away from the ballpark, walking, not walking, driving, but it, it was really, really close, and of course, I couldn't wait till I got home. And so I just pulled into the McDonald's, you know, uh, parking lot. I ran inside. All sizes of drinks were a dollar. So I said, give me a large sweet tea. And man, that was the best sweet tea ever. Um, I got it. <sighs> sucked it down like a vacuum cleaner. Filled it up again. Drank another half of it. Filled it up all the way. And in the minute and a half it took me to get from McDonald's to my house, I drank a whole nother 32 ounces of sweet tea. That's 64 plus a half, whatever. You do the math. 90 some odd ounces of sweet tea. Man, was it good. And man, was I satisfied for about a minute and a half. I didn't even make it to my front door. I got out, I opened up my car door, and I went, whoa. And I had to run to the side of the house, and I gave it all back. Um... But man, for that moment, man, did I feel good. It tasted good. It felt good. My thirst was quenched. And even afterwards, my thirst was still quenched, but I was still not feeling well at all. All right, sweet tea is not the answer when you are completely in that moment, in that need for hydration. Doesn't matter how good it tastes going down, does not taste the same going the opposite direction. Also, is not the hydration you need. The sugar is bad for you because sometimes we get in these moments of complete despair. And while, yes, it puts us in a place where we are willing to look for something in any place imaginable, we typically cling to the first thing we find, and that is rarely the thing that is healthiest for us emotionally, physically, or spiritually. Searching for answers. But knowing where to go to look for them is so important. Mark chapter 9, verses 20 through 26. Um, it reads this way. <clears throat> Picks up with a man who, um, whose boy has been sick. And, and says, so they brought the boy to him. 
And when the Spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Uh, the man, the father, that is, says, how long has this been happening? I'm sorry, Jesus says, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked the father. He says, from childhood. And many times it has thrown him into the fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mutant deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And then it came out shrieking and throwing him into terrible convulsions, and the boy became like a, a corpse, so that many said, He's dead. Uh, but we know that he's not dead because the story goes on and we see the boy rises and is healed of, of, the, of the demon that had possessed him. And Jesus meets a father who, like so many of us have been, is in this desperate need for something that his son has been searching for all of his life. So he's been dealing with this since he was born. All of his life we've dealt with this spirit, if, if you can. If you can, would you do something for my boy? And even while the man is sitting in front of Jesus, knowing the things that he has done in the past and can do here in the present and will do in the future, probably, there is still this moment of hesitation of, you know, yeah, I've seen what Jesus has done before to others, but it's too good to be true to think that he might do it for me. And so maybe in a bit of humility, maybe in a bit of a lack of full belief or full trust, he comes to Jesus and he says, if you're able, if you're able, would you heal my son? It's so interesting how we find this place where in the same moment we see in this man, we see complete despair. But we see hope. And we also see healing, both for the man and ultimately for his boy, as the Spirit is asked to leave. And all residing, all existing together in harmony in that same moment. It doesn't seem possible, does it, that despair, hope, and healing can all come until we realize that we have seen that occur in our lives all the time, that at at one moment, and often in the same moment, we can be completely at a loss while at the same time recognizing the hope that exists because of the presence of a Savior. And the statement of the Father is so complex, yet comforting for so many of us who struggle um, with doubt. A recognition of what he wanted to believe well, at the same time, recognizing that he wasn't really wholly there. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That man in the moment believed that Jesus could perform the miracle, yet there was still this measure of doubt in his mind that said, who knows, you fill in the blank. 
Yes, he can, but why would he for me? Yes, he can, but maybe is this moment not the right moment? Yes, I believe that he can, but do I really believe that I am special enough that Jesus would choose me or my son to redeem, to take out of the hands of the grasp of a demon? This is not the first time that he's been in this position, right? He's probably seen doctors and healers all of his life. In the episode before, Jesus' own apostles have come and they have tried to exercise this demon to no avail. And so the man's hope is waning. And while, yes, there is something different about this Jesus, over and over and over and over again, he has been disappointed by the powers of healing that have come his way. And they have all, one by one, left his boy with plagued with the same ailment that he has been plagued with all of his life. Why in the world would Jesus be any different? And the truth is, it's because Jesus is different than any other power in your life. And while doubt may have been a natural response or a natural reaction for this man and even for you and I, he still comes to Jesus. And even if his premise is a little bit flawed, or maybe a lot of bit flawed, it doesn't stop Jesus from responding. He says, all things are possible for the one who would believe. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Don't, don't discredit the moments of doubt. Because it was that moment, in that moment of doubt, this man knew exactly at this point where he needed to turn. Because he saw Jesus and he said, nothing else has worked. Now the Redeemer is available. And here is this man who does things that we've never seen before. And maybe now he's figured out exactly where to go to get the answer that he's needed. And while he has tried every avenue to this point, here comes a new avenue, a different avenue, the one named Jesus. See, often when we find ourselves in a place of, of struggling, we, we want to discredit our faith when we have those doubts. Like, do we really think God can't handle my, my questions do I really think God can't handle my struggle and my doubt? I mean, Jesus looks at the man and goes, what do you mean, if? If you're beginning this uh, question of me with that statement, you really don't understand who it is that you are standing in front of. If I can. I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. Don't think that God can't handle your questions. And also don't think that because you have questions, it means that you don't have faith. I, I think a lot of times we have convinced ourselves that if our faith is correct, then questions won't come. Um, and, and some of it is because we have this phrase, blind faith. And God has never asked you to have blind faith. He has over and over and over again given you proof of his existence. You, you look at the world around you, the way the body is made, the way the world is created, the way it all works in harmony. In fact, Romans says you can see the presence of God just in the beauty of creation. 
And if you don't proclaim the message of Jesus, the rocks and the hills will cry out because God has his imprint on everything that exists in this world. The stars in the heavens to the flowers and the grass of the field. The maker is evident in all of it. There is evidence in the people of God that exist around or the way that he exists. And yes, there are sometimes some moments where we just have to have faith. But this blind, unwavering loyalty is not something that is ever required of us as his people. In fact, God frequently says, you are going to have struggles. You are going to have difficulties. You are going to have doubts. But when you have those doubts, will you put your faith in me? Faith is a believing loyalty that even in the midst of those moments of suffering, in those midst of moments of trial, in those midst of instability, even when we don't understand, our loyalty is with the one who does not waver because he knows that we will. You see, Jesus doesn't reject the Father here. He doesn't say, oh, I can't believe you. I mean, he comes back with him with a stern statement of, of what do you mean, if I can? You, you can have a little bit of doubt, but don't question my power and my authority. You can have some questions about what's going on, but what do you mean? If, if you are questioning my ability to, to heal your son, you don't know me as well as you think you do. The man believed, but he also believed his faith was weak. The, fir- the word that he uses, apistia, um, is translated unbelief, which also means weak faith. Pistis is the Greek word for faith, and apistia is basically just says, man, would you forgive my weak faith? And Jesus says, bring me the boy. And he commands the demons to come out. He doesn't even really address the fact the man perceives something, and Jesus just says, look, here's the deal. Anyone who believes in me, I will come and work for anyone who believes in me. The man is still holding this tension between his unbelief and his doubt and a weakness in his faith. And Jesus doesn't hold him to that tension. But that is the tension that we live in. And sometimes we can be harsh to other believers. Sometimes we can be harsh to ourselves when it comes to this doubt that we have. We sometimes have a theology that leaves no room for questioning or struggling with our walk with Christ. And we talked last week about how a bad theology can often lead to deeper doubts when we really misunderstand what we believe or should believe about God. But the Christian community is important. It's important for for those who are dealing with those doubts. Um, The Christian community can be one of those communities that recognize that in the world and comes and says, look, are you facing doubts? Are you facing struggles? Let me show you the man who can help you through those things. That the Christian community should be a place where people feel welcome to come in and search out for answers. And search out ways to, to secure themselves in those moments of doubt. And also a place that says, look, we are okay with you asking questions. Because our God is big enough to shoulder those questions. 
There's not a question you can't ask that hasn't been asked a thousand times or more before. And God is able to handle them all easily. He is a rock you can anchor yourself to, and you might be wavering, but He will not waver. He will not move. How we treat others in the family, how we treat ourselves, affects our connection to God. And how we treat those on the outside who come in with those same kinds of questions affects their relationship with God as well. We see over and over again in Scripture that God shows compassion to those who struggle. Here's where I want our mindset to change. How we look at those who doubt the truth. We have a tendency to kind of frown on those things, to, to skip over those things, to bypass those things. But there's an opportunity that we have as the church that we must seize to live the life of Christ that recognizes people in doubt just like the man. And instead of saying, <clears throat> you shouldn't doubt. You shouldn't have those kinds of things. <clears throat> you shouldn't be struggling with those kind of things. There's all kinds of things you can doubt. You can doubt man's ability. You can, you can doubt your own ability. You can doubt your own performance and all these other things. But you shouldn't be doubting who God is. But the truth is, life tells us that things don't go the way we expect. And when our expectations are unmet, we begin to doubt things. It's just a natural part of how we are made. But what if we as a Christian community took all of those people who are experiencing doubt and uncertainty and, and in their minds a lack of faith and said, why don't you come and see what Jesus has to say about those things? Because what Jesus has to th say about those things is, oh, why are you so weak? Why are you so little-minded? Why are you so short-sighted? What he has to say is, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, man, if I can, of course I can. Let me show you. Let me show you. Dallas Willard, who writes a lot of books on prayer, has a quote in one of his uh, interview that he was in um, a few years back, and he said, it is possible to go to heaven with a lot of doubts, and it is possible to go to hell with a lot of certainty. People do it every day. Faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in his ability is not so much about the ability to live life with the certainty of all of the things that comes our way. Our certainty lies in Jesus and who He is and what He has done. But just because we have doubts, just because we have questions, just because we have struggles doesn't mean that we are in this place of less than. And even though we perceive our faith to be weak in that moment, it gives us an opportunity to sit and to experience that doubt and allow that doubt to drive us deeper into the presence of Jesus himself and anchor ourselves into an unwavering Savior. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. May that be the mantra we live by.